I'll do a real quick little introduction and then um, kick it off to you guys. Z, are you going to be typing through this whole thing? <laughs> no, it's fine. It's fine. <laughs> we just <laughs> no. Right. Getting that bilateral filter working. <laughs> All right. It is Wednesday, July twelfth, two thousand six, and welcome to another edition of the Lightroom Podcast Series. My name is George Jardine, and I'm here with senior members of the Adobe Camera Raw and Lightroom Engineering teams at Adobe headquarters in San Jose, California. Mark Hamburg. Zalman Stern, Thomas Noel, and a very special guest, the newest member of the team here today, Michael Johnson from Pixmanic, co-founder and developer of Pixmanic. Is that right? Yes, that's true. The raw shooter software. Hello. Welcome. Really happy to have you and everybody here today. Hello. Thank Hello. You. Thanks Thank for you coming. So um, we should have a little conversation about raw processing, I guess. What's that? What's that? <laughs> <laughs> exactly. Thomas, before we put Michael on the spot, can you tell me a little bit about why we felt Michael would be a great addition to the Adobe team? What does Michael bring to the team? Well, one thing is a, another person with a lot of expertise in this field and very good engineering skills. Uh, for many years, I was sort of the sole engineer on Camera Raw and there's lots of stuff that can be done from an engineering perspective to add features and we just sort of ran out of time because only I like to take vacations occasionally sure <laughs> don't we all and so earlier this spring we added Zalman to the team and uh, by adding Michael we've jump-started that process even more to have a lot of talent on the team so we can do more stuff faster now great I look forward to the day when I'm not the person who probably knows the second most amount <laughs> about the uh, code. So, Michael, tell me, what do you think? You've had a, a, a good look at Camera Raw, probably, maybe not the internal uh, code yet, but uh, certainly the results. From your perspective, what do you think you can best bring to the Camera Raw team? I think there's a lot of uh, a lot of things that we are able to do to the, together to promote, push things forward offering a wider uh, set of tools for, for the photographer, certainly. Are there certain things you're doing in Raw Shooter that you're not seeing in Camera Raw that you think would be an immediate improvement? Yes. Something like um, chromatic aberration suppression, aliasing suppression. Okay. That's okay. a good thing. <laughs> <laughs> so I see we're getting fill light in some of the new B4 builds. Is that coming directly out of the uh, shadow highlight code, or is that something uh, new? No, it's actually a new new implementation of that. It's same kind of theory, but because working on a raw file and we still have uh, scene referred linear data, we can do a much better job of doing a uh, fill light control without having artifacts of color shifts and such in the image and differing noise in different areas of the image. Hmm. Vastly different, I should say. Yeah, the the, the operation can occur earlier in the pipe than the noise reduction stage, so mm -hmm. uh, that that has some significant advantages in terms of quality of the results of the the fill light. And we're going to be looking at uh, Fixmatic's fill light algorithm and our fill light algorithm, and and trying to figure out the best way to combine them if that makes sense, and come up with the best possible re end result. And we're basically doing that with all the Pixmanic algorithms is compare them to what uh, ACR is doing versus what Pixmanic is doing 
and where there's a clear advantage in one versus the other, we'll just put, put that code in to the ACR pipe and produce something that's better than both of them would have been by themselves. So Michael, tell me a little bit more about your background. What got you interested in, uh, in photography and in raw processing in general? Well, I started out my, my career in, in image processing actually started out at phase one. Uh -huh. uh, in terms of image processing related to the work of, uh, of, of photographers. And uh, prior to that, I didn't actually in have had any interest in, in photography. But, but at that time, uh, back in 94, the, the whole thing, digital photography started. Yeah, Capture One was one of the very first, wasn't it? It was, certainly. It's really great In software. terms of uh, providing a, a smooth, raw file processing workflow, it was the first, I think. And still regarded as one of the best quality conversions. Yeah. So on the subject of quality conversions, how do you feel raw shooter compares with where ACR is today compared to Capture One? Do we want to well, talk I think, about raw? I think raw shooter is, uh, is better than Capture One, but it's... I mean, it has uh, many rough edges. I mean, most of this has to do with the, with, with the choices made by the author of, of the raw converter, I think. Yeah, it's a very interesting point. That that's one of my uh, things that I like about us broadening the team is it's not that people make bad decisions. It's that it's, it's, a, it's a very subjective it space. So it's also a very complex, difficult space. And mm -hmm. so you get more good you know, people who think well about the problem space of raw conversion, you're just going to get better results. And you're, you're probably also going to get some more choice, you know, some more options in how the kind of look you want out of your raw converter, things like that. So, yeah, I think both Camera Raw and Raw Shooter are both products that I used before I had anything to do with the people who wrote them. And, I, you know, I love both products, but I think getting kind of a little more synergy in there is just gonna gonna you know totally kick it up a notch to build build a better product. Yeah. Camera Raw produces images that look the way Thomas likes them to look. And Lightroom, we probably tried to push a little harder on making images somewhat more extreme because um, I think George and I sort of liked pushing the controls that way and mm -hmm. seeing what we could, where we could take things. And it's all very subjective as to what it is you actually should reproduce when. Well, the, the, there's a huge variation in yeah. uh, what kind of default settings people think is appropriate. Uh, the more interesting question to solve on this integration problem is the simplest thing to do would be to toss everything into one product and have lots and lots of sliders, but you end up with a something that's not really usable. You know, if you have 15 different tone curve sliders yeah. <laughs> from, from all from We possible? only have eight right now. <laughs> We're working towards 15. Yeah. <laughs> you end up with a case where, where users have the Photoshop problem, which mm -hmm. is uh, Photoshop can do anything 10 different ways, and nobody knows which way is the best way. And people spend all their time deciding which of those 10 ways they should do something, and, mm -hmm. it, and they get lost in that process. So. One of the goals for both Camera Raw and Lightroom has been to figure out the best way to do any given one thing and implement that so that it, it simplifies the decisions users have to make and how to use the software rather than having to choose amongst many ways of doing something. And one of the biggest wins is that we pretty much completely eliminate the ordering problem from the thought process of how to process your image because, you know, I mean, 
you can bop back and forth between the sliders, but you don't have to think to do this, the steps in a particular order. Sure. Um, which is a, a huge cognitive problem when you're trying to do a complex task in Photoshop. You have to plan too far ahead. And mm -hmm. If you make yeah. a mistake, you have to go way back to the beginning. Cause you or you have to go and debug your image. <laughs> yes, if, if you get a complicated layered image in Photoshop, it's often fixing the problems is very similar to fixing a problem in, in computer code because you have to figure out how the, all the layers interact. Um, so, Michael, I haven't used Raw Shooter enough, but did you build a uh, what you consider to be a logical workflow from top to bottom? Is yeah, it, certainly. Is certainly. it similar to uh, Camera Raw's top to bottom? No, but yeah, I mean, white balance and uh, exposure compensation, that order is the same. And then there's, I mean, the whole control set is different, mm -hmm. in my opinion. Also mm -hmm. pulls the the workflow as some of the workflow aspects of Bridge are pulled into Raw Shooter or provided directly by Raw Shooter um, in the same user interface um, well, area as except for <laughs> Bridge wasn't certainly used as a, as well, a cer model. certainly not. I'm <laughs> just uh, <laughs> explaining from a workflow point of view that it it starts you know an image organization and right. moves through mm -hmm. to um, output, but kind of a batch output queue. Have we thought yet about how we might be able to bring those customers into the uh, camera raw world or the Lightroom world with um, all vigorous hand waving? <laughs> <laughs> you think so? We we we've thought about it, but at this point, it's vigorous hand waving. It's vigorous hand waving. <laughs> so, what do we need to do to be able to convert those settings over? Uh, realistically, the problem is is figuring out the optimum mapping from raw shooter settings mm -hmm. into whatever combined engine settings we end up with and trying to minimize the differences of the result. Yeah. And for some aspects, we can do a pretty good job of the map since uh, Camera Raw has a full-blown tone curve that has point, so you can add in the uh, curve dialog so we can simulate basically any possible tone curve mm -hmm. with the Camera Raw graph. So we can probably get a pretty good match in the tone handling. Uh, more complicated issues is, is getting the color handling to match because they have a completely different set of color profiles than what Camera Raw has. Uh -huh. So just translating the temperature and tint numbers doesn't work because uh, those are sort of dependent on which, which, which camera profile you're starting with. So it'll probably be a fairly complicated piece of code that we'll have to take into account the camera profile that Camera Raw is using, the camera profile that, that uh, Raw Shooter is using just to translate what the white balance settings should be from mm -hmm. one image to another. Mm -hmm. Some stuff is really easy to translate, like the uh, rotation and crop settings, because that's pretty standard geometry at that point. So we should be able to do a pretty good job with the, the uh, crop settings, moving them forward. We'll see how close we come. Uh, but our goal is to get as close as we can and, to, and ease the transition for raw shooter users. Yeah, and of course we could actually create problems for ourselves all around, you know, to the extent that we find pieces of raw shooter that we want to adopt into Camera Raw that then potentially obsolete pieces of Camera Raw. Yeah, that's, that's another problem is maintaining compatibility with old Camera Raw settings yeah. and figuring out the best way to deal with that. And unfortunately, we're probably going to have to end up with some kind of master pop-up that controls what version of the engine that a given file is processed with so that we are able in the future to uh, improve Camera Raw's algorithms without obsoleting lots of previous adjustments. Mm -hmm. Michael, any thoughts on that? Well, that, that, that's a general problem you have because you 
you expand the processing engine and uh, I mean, e- even today when you because there have been lots of progress in in camera raw since uh, 2003 and i doubt that you or is it so that if you take uh, take an image and uh, and a sidecar file from uh, yeah, the, the highlight the, recovery logic has changed among uh, other yeah, things. Uh, yeah, yes, yeah. some algorithms have improved, and uh, up until this point, I haven't felt the need to, with the exception of I've I have improved some color profiles, and there is a option in the calibrate tab to, for those cameras where the color profile has been improved to be able to select the old color profile if you want to be compatible with that, but I have not offered an option to go back to the old highlight recovery algorithm, for example, versus the new algorithm, because I think the new algorithm is better in almost every case. So it'd be unlikely that users would want to use the old settings, because even if they just use the, the, the previous settings on, on a new image, you get a result that's probably better. This becomes more of a concern when we start adding, um, making major changes in how some of the features operate, you know, for the better, but they do have a, a different effect on the image and we definitely don't want to have people feel that they have to keep old versions of the software around in order to use old files so offering some kind of versioning scheme is is something we're probably going to have to end up doing just biting the bullet and putting some kind of preference or control somewhere that allows users to to control which version of the uh, uh, math is used on any given image but a hint to our audience, we're probably not going to populate it with a be compatible with beta versions of Lightroom option. Yeah, it's yeah, I'm, I can guarantee you. <laughs> For Lightroom, we, we definitely make an effort to make settings compatible from version to version, but exact fidelity to any given beta version of Lightroom is something we can't guarantee at this point because we, we need to remain flexible enough to change the algorithms at this point. Well, we... Certainly didn't get it right in beta one, and it made improvements to it in beta two. And it, I'm anticipating it'll change right up through the release date. But I think we're getting closer to the right rendering. So, any other thoughts on uh, your first day at Adobe here, Michael? <laughs> the wine is good. The wine is good. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> well, you know. We How does it compare to the wine in Copenhagen? It's the same. <laughs> <laughs> So any other subjects you guys want to touch on here? The fact that uh, Michael is not getting to just retire to a beach right now. Yeah, so Michael, why come to work for Adobe and not just retire on a beach somewhere? That's a good question. (laughs) (laughs) Ask him in another month or so and it'll be an even better question. (laughs) Chance to work with some really cool people. For instance. Accomplish more than uh, than I was able to do with uh, with Pixmantic for sure. Mm-hmm. That's my hope. No, because I feel with uh, there, there are so many areas when you have to do everything. Because I wrote all the code for for raw mm-hmm. shooter, obviously. There are so many advanced topics that you want to to touch, to dig into and explore and exploit. Uh, but you, you can't do that because you. You you under the the pressure of delivering software for the market and uh, get another camera. To mm-hmm. <laughs> you have another <laughs> camera to add support for, fix these twenty bucks or yeah. two hundred bucks or. So, do you feel as if you'll get more time to just work on code now? Yeah. Good. I hope so. I hope that's work true. work on uh, on advanced stuff. Being able to 
to push it. I mean, instead of making a, a, an 80% solution, working with uh, really good people, making we can, maybe we can make a 120% solution. Is it realistic to assume that some of your thinking might be included in um, Lightroom by the time it ships? Or uh, Well, I, I think uh, taking the code straight and uh, incorporating to, to Lightroom is, is not going to happen, I think. But we will be able to expand on these things uh, together and hopefully and surely, in my opinion, be able to make better solutions by working together. Not taking the code, uh, reusing the code. I don't. I don't think well, that's the, going to happen. Uh, right. No, I didn't. Of more interest in the code are, are the algorithms. Exactly. Mm-hmm. And yeah. uh, we probably we're going to evaluate some of the controls in Raw Shooter that are not currently in Camera Raw or Lightroom, mm. and see if making, for example, the vibrancy slider is something that uh, Raw Shooter uh, people are big fans of, and we're going to evaluate the effects of that and see if it makes sense to put into Lightroom and it's probably a fairly easy thing to add. So sure. that kind of stuff can appear fairly rapidly. You know, it took me fifteen minutes to add Phil Light. Okay, well that was <laughs> Thomas actually wrote the <laughs> <laughs> code that implemented it. But so Michael, one of the things we hear a lot of calls for in, in uh, amongst the Lightroom crowd is for localized editing, burning, dodging, localized yeah, yeah, color yeah, correction. Yeah. Did you find that Pixmanic customers wanted the same thing, or were the customers more focused around pure raw processing? Well, I think uh, being able to make uh, localized corrections is a, I mean, it's, it's a pretty obvious extension of what we're seeing today. Mm. So that would for sure have been a, a natural extension of, uh, of raw shooter, being able to do localized correction. Yeah. Yeah. It's sort of the big enchilada. We should have Bruce Frazier here to tell us about it. <laughs> well, can't you just excerpt some stuff from podcast number eight and just have you know, a little sample of Bruce saying <laughs> the outtakes from podcast eight? Sure, we could call him. He'd, you could just be, have he'd Bruce, be happy to, to rant on demand. Rant on demand. I, I, love, I love Bruce. So, yeah, you just need a little sample. You have a Bruce in a box. And <laughs> I could use one of those. Of course, the real challenge of, of localized corrections is is to to build a, a, a workflow around it, being mm-hmm. able to propagate these localized corrections among 20 similar images mm-hmm. in a shoot. Mm-hmm. It's an interesting user interface problem. You don't want to totally overload the complexity. I mean, you obviously want to provide power. And I think where the more time we have, the better we can optimize that design problem. It's not just writing the code and coming up with the first thing that we, we can get into the product. It's refining the workflow and really getting sure. getting it to be smooth and not to drive people crazy. So there's, there's a bit of a balance there. Oh, for sure. It has to be easy to use. It has to be discoverable. And uh, once you add it to Lightroom, for example, on a non-beta release, we're sort of stuck with that because we have to provide compatibility basically forever because unlike Photoshop, which you would do operations and save out a new image at all, and you, the end result would always be an image, the end result of both Camera Raw and Lightroom is the original image and a set of processing instructions. Exactly. So if you're saving a, a set of processing instructions for the future to apply at some future time, you have to have software that understands those exact instructions in the future and produce a very similar result to yeah. what you did before. 
So anytime we add a feature to Camera Raw or Lightroom, we always have to keep in mind that is this the way we want, we want to set this in stone forever? Right. Because it's very hard to change afterwards. Mm. So it puts a very strong impetus to choose the right feature and do it the right way the first time. Mm-hmm. So often we will sort of delay doing stuff just so we don't, because we're not sure exactly what the final best answer is yet. And then do some more research and, and play around some more with different options and pick the best one. And then finally, after we're completely happy with that, implement it into the uh, code that users see and start applying to the images and committing yeah. to. Some, it's yeah. very Light, the Lightroom beta program is sort of unusual from the standpoint that there are a lot more people getting to see stuff while we're still sort of, while we're kicking the tires on things. Mm-hmm. And it's, it's sort of an interesting balancing act with the Lightroom beta program in, in terms of want to remain as compatible as possible with previous beta settings, but we also don't want to cripple the final product just to be compatible with something we made a mistake on early on. Sure. No, I'm out there on mm-hmm. a daily basis trying to tell people, you know, don't assume anything is going to stay in the betas, you know. It could change. So workflow, actually, that's an interesting subject. One of the things we talked a lot about in the in the early stages of Lightroom development was trying to do an end-to-end workflow in as light a weight way as possible, to make it as easy to use and as lightweight as possible, but still powerful enough for professional. And then we ended up with mm. this cataloging app. User. <laughs> but, Which is not lightweight. But it seems like the Pixmatic product, Raw Shooter, is sort of the epitome of being lightweight. It's very streamlined and fast. So um, any thoughts on the performance so far? It's fine. You can say whatever you want, Michael. <laughs> <laughs> Thomas, you know, bashed the performance over and over again in the last podcast. <laughs> to great wh- effect. I found some changes in today's build. <laughs> yeah, that's only on my machine. Oh, okay. <laughs> Sorry. So, I mean, no matter what the vision is for workflow to work for people, it has to be really fast. Yeah. Mm-hmm. No matter what you do. So... So we're do it as fast as we can. <laughs> do it. Yeah. yeah. Do you not build a full preview from the raw data? Do you just use the embedded JPEG? No, no. Only for for the thumbnail uh, mm-hmm. is the embedded JPEG. That's actually not the embedded JPEG. That's just the thumbnail until the preview has been built, mm-hmm. and the preview stays uh, persistent. So you ignore sidecar JPEGs and big embedded JPEGs and all of those. Well, if you if you select the image before the preview has been built, it will use the embedded JPEG just for the brief moment okay, so that's until pre- the raw data has been decoded and uh, made into a into a preview that yeah. can be used. Okay, so that's basically the logic Lightroom's using. The yeah. Lightroom is taking, as it turns out, a little longer to build the previews than we'd like because. We didn't expect it's basically building its own JPEGs to cache, and it turns out that building the JPEGs actually takes almost as much time or more time than it takes to decode the raw data at times. So that's something that is probably going to get fixed to get the previews up faster. But the issue we have sort of faced all along is you can get these camera JPEGs, but they won't look like the results out of the raw processing from. Certainly out of ACR, and I assume out of Raw Shooter, yeah, it's the same. and yeah. how you balance for users. I can get you this preview really fast, and you know if you're just checking focus, it works great. But don't get attached to the color because it's going to change at some point. The only place I ever noticed the the 
kind of the internals going on in raw shooter when you fire up a slideshow before before your previews are uh, yeah, exactly. are mm -hmm. computed but yeah. otherwise it seemed pretty uh the, yeah. the decisions about when to use so, mm -hmm. yeah so, so so the key here is to simply uh, is to be able to to make uh, previews fast mm-hmm all right well how do we how do we wrap this up guys so michael how long are you in town uh, i will go back uh, on saturday uh -huh. good all week mm -hmm. But ultimately um, going to be here permanently. Yeah. Oh, really? He's going, to, he's going to spend all his money from the Pixmanic <laughs> sale on a house. Oh, no, I bet that's not true. <laughs> <laughs> have you lived in California before? No. Have you thought about where you want to live? Yes, I have. But it's not decided yet. Not decided? I will have to look around. It's a great place to uh, live. I think, you'll, I think you'll like it here. Hopefully. That's why you live in Colorado. <laughs> well, I've but still got a place here in California, so I miss misses it. At, misses California every moment he's there. I'm sure. I do, and my motorcycle. Mm -hmm. So, um, any closing thoughts for uh, your faithful customers, who are now hopefully going to? Obviously, we, and I speak of course uh, also for my partner uh, Kenneth Lark, whom uh, which I started Pixmantic. Uh, and we are obviously very grateful for the support uh, we have received from our users, because without them, this uh, the product wouldn't have been a success. Obviously, amazingly so loyal. I love the forums. Yeah. They're really very vocal and Clear. loyal. Yes, definitely tell that people are passionate. You can tell mm -hmm. they love the product. So, with any luck, we'll improve our products and. Um, Bring them into the fold, we'll, I guess. We'll, we'll definitely improve our products. <laughs> we will definitely improve our products. Thomas, any closing thoughts? Well, I'm trying to rest up for the big meeting tomorrow because we have all-day sessions planned for doing this hash-out between camera algorithms and fixed-manic algorithms and trying to do a brain transfer both directions. Wow. So it's going to be a long day tomorrow. Yeah, it is. Mm -hmm. Thank you gentlemen very much for sitting down and talking to us here. I'm sure the uh, customers will appreciate hearing from you guys. So uh, thank you and see you on the next podcast. <laughs>